following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Fortress and my deliverer, my God and my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Please hang on to that as we enter into the text this morning. You know, Jesus, I mean, uh, David starts off that whole um, expression of God's uh, faithful attributes and and uh, all the things that that the, the, the illustrations of fortress and refuge and rock and, you know, my God, my Lord, like all of these are a declaration of of how faithful and how good and how kind and merciful and powerful God has been in his life. Um, but he starts all that off with, Lord, I, I love you. I love you. And so um, I want to ask you a few questions as we get started this morning. Does God love you? Do, do you know that God loves you? For God demonstrated his very own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? He first loved us so that we would know like what real love is in an an experiential way that, that he touched us. Like he came near, as we'll talk about this morning. But I, I believe God wants you to know, be convinced that you are loved. I love John. We're in, we're in the Gospel of John. We're, we're taking a, a bit of a, a flashback here, hours earlier to, to where we are in Luke. We've been going through Luke for several years now. And, uh, and here we are in the final days of Christ's life and ministry on the earth. Uh, as you remember, we were in the courtyard and Jesus has been tried. Um, he, he, uh, Peter's denied him. And, uh, and then we've paused and flashed back for a few hours to just as they were leaving the upper room. We have the benefit of this through the Gospel of John only, which is referred to as the farewell discourse, is Jesus begins this, this, uh, this conversation with them with a desire for, this is kind of, so he's gonna introduce the Holy Spirit to them. He's gonna, he's gonna help them to understand that there's gonna be another helper that's gonna come. But what he is saying, and this will make so much more sense as we get into the text, but Jesus is preparing them for his, Domus says, Jesus is preparing them for his departure and his arrival. Okay? And, and what I mean is the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, you know, as we've just talked about last week in the first 14 verses of chapter 15, uh, of 14, is uh, we, we've understood that Jesus says to them, he says, they said, show me the Father, and that'll be enough. And Jesus says, have I, have I not been with you long enough? Don't you understand that, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus identifies himself as the representative of God on earth, that, that whatever God's word, whatever God wants, I've, I've been his, his advocate, his helper, his representative. And, and if you've seen him, you've seen me, Philip. And so now we, we move on in the text a little bit. And this is just this, this, con- this conversation that Jesus is having right as they're about to leave the upper room and make their way to the garden. 
and he starts to then help them to understand that he and the Father are one. But it doesn't end there. That he and the Spirit are one. And uh, and now he's going to pour out this Spirit in days to come that will that will comfort them. Can you imagine what they're going through at this point? Like the the one that they're seeking to follow and emulate and be like, right? And model is is now has been talking constantly about his departure, his death. And yet at the tail end of all of these statements, he's saying, but in three days I will rise. Super confusing. And, and how do you follow somebody that's not present? And he says to them, you know, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you shall also be. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'll, I go to, to then come back and take you to myself? How sweet is that? And so he's seeking to comfort them with a promise, right? And this is, I think this is very telling in, in, what, um, in what he's wanting us to realize here. And so my next question is, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to know because John's name, John means beloved, but we see John in his humble approach to writing the gospel under the direction of the Holy Spirit, like John, like, leaves himself out. He, he, he's this mysterious figure that is, is not named throughout his gospel, and then we come to the end and find that it's, it's him, but, but in the midst of that, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Now, one of the things we need to understand by this, and, and this is my, my, my conviction, is that what he is saying is the one that is convinced that Jesus loves him. That John was so convinced that Jesus loved him that we see throughout the Gospel of John and his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, that w- what does he talk about over and over again? Love, love of God, God is love, and that we're called to love one another. And, uh, and this is the demonstration of the love that we have for him because he loves us. And so my question to you is, do you love God? Like, I, I think it's so important that we, that we know that he loves us. And, and we often say, oh, I love God. Do, do we love God? Right? And, and this, this is foundational to our relationship with Jesus. So in this moment, and you can imagine the, the concern, if Jesus is leaving, how are we going to follow you if we can't go with you now? And if you're going to a place and you're coming, like you can imagine he is seeking to comfort them here. And that's kind of the backdrop of what we're looking at today. Now, I'm excited because I believe there are, there are people in this room this morning, there are saints here that are going to be further liberated by the gospel. Like, I think the, the good news of what Jesus is teaching here is going to help us to be set free specifically from legalism. From thinking in some way, somehow, if I'm good, if I can do enough good things, if, then God will love me. And, and, uh, and God will be, you know, show me favor. Do you know that God loved you while you were yet a sinner? Like, that, that is who God is? And that his love is not fickle or frail or temporary? That his love is permanent and it is placed on us. And, and, and do you think for a moment that God wants us to love him? And wants that to be the primary means and, and, uh, 
and, and drive behind our obedience. So I'm, I'm excited about those that, that you know, because we, we all have, you know, that paradigm to walk out of as far as legalism and to be liberated by the truth that sets us free. Others are going to experience salvation this morning. I'm confident of that. And, and for the saint, uh, we're going to experience the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is to make us more like him, to, to help us grow in holiness, sanctification. So let's remember where this text, this conversation begins. In John 14, 1, he says, let not, or, let not your hearts be troubled. And what, what, does he, what does he give as an antidote to that? He says, believe in God. Believe God the Father and believe also in me. Right? Then then what does he go on to say? He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And he goes on to describe uh, in marital terms how he's going to prepare a place for us. Now, let me tell you why I just come back to this for just a moment. See, Jesus points to heaven when we face troubled hearts or fear in this world. Right? What, what he wants us to do is to put stock in his promises, in his faithfulness, in his word. In the midst of troubled times, in the midst of uh, fearful moments, like his promises are what cr- just calms the storm, brings peace that doesn't make any sense as we choose to be anxious for nothing, acknowledging that his promises are faithful because he's faithful. So much comfort and peace are found in his promises. And do you know, I, 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 this is such a sweet peace that we, we come to know. Did God make a lot of promises to Israel in the Old Covenant? Is there are tons of promises that are made. So many. And they're so, they're so comforting and, uh, and encouraging. And, uh, and then we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that every promise is made yes in Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means because Jesus has quenched our sin debt and he has invited us into his presence and he has made us his own and and that there is no longer, if you do this, then because Jesus did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. So he has, he has fulfilled the law so that all the promises that God has made are yes in him, are yes to us. And so we can read these promises. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a good future. Like, And the list is so long. And Jesus has come to commission those promises through his obedience to the Father and through his faithful propitiation, like satisfying our sin debt and moving us into a, a place of, of favor with God that those promises are now ours in Christ. Isn't that good news? Isn't that just good news? And that changes the way we read the Old Testament now, right? It changes the, that we understand that it's through his obedience. So my question, my question for you this morning is, as we move into verse 15 here, is like what motivated Jesus' obedience to the Father? His love for his daddy. That's, that's what drove Jesus. He says, I, I do everything the Father asks. I don't, I, he doesn't want, they're one, one in mind and purpose and heart and intention. There's just a one, there's distinctness in the Trinity, 
right? And we see that in this text as we get into it. But there's a oneness in purpose, mind, intention, heart. And there is also, there is this mutual, there's this submission and humility. But, but when it all comes down, as we looked at last week, like a week before, like, like it's all going to go back into the hands of the Father to the all in all. Right? He's put everything under Jesus' feet. There's this, you know, but, but there's, I just love the unity and, and what, what, what he has done for us in Christ is he's invited us into this loving unity. And now we're a part of that. We're in this rich, unified community that he, he longs for us to, to, and the two leave, leave the world and cleave to your bridegroom. And then the two will become one. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit to to unify us in in every intention and heart and purpose, to be guidance and counselor and comforter and convictor, uh, all of this, all of this, so that we might grow in a love and knowledge of who he is. And so, so beautiful as a backdrop to this. So let me pause for just a moment and let's pray and then let's dive into this text. And I, I know this is going to be a blessing this morning. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that your love has healed us, has shown and, and demonstrated for us your uh, who you are. Uh, I pray that, uh, that you would increase our love for you so that the things we do, we don't do out of compulsion or reluctancy, but that we are joyful givers when it comes to offering you our hearts and lives and and, uh, and that we would walk in obedience to your word, um, not as a burdensome thing, but, but, but out of just love and gratitude and worship, uh, because we love you. You first loved us. We're so grateful. Uh, teach us to understand uh, this Trinitarian conversation that we're in this morning. Uh, Father, I just thank you for the healing work that you're doing in so many within our fellowship. Thank you for bringing Mirni and Hannah to us. What a joy to have them. Father, thank you for just all your good gifts. Pray that you would uh, be with, uh, with Ting's family that, uh, in, in his homecoming. And pray that uh, you'd be with our brother Mario in the loss of a part of his leg. And pray, pray for just healing. Uh, Father, just for so much. We have so, so much to be thankful for, Lord. And we ask that, uh, that you would bless to our understanding the reading of your word today, that it would penetrate our hearts and seed the soil of our hearts for fruitfulness, that we would walk in obedience, not out of necessity or obligation, but out of just a deep abiding love for you. Uh, teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so um, I want to read as a backdrop uh, to this passage a conversation that Jesus has in Luke chapter 10 with a um, with a lawyer. And what, where this ends up going is it ends up uh, culminating in Jesus telling the parable of the goods of the a good Samaritan. But listen to what is stated here, uh, because this this really speaks heavily to the passage that we're in this morning. And uh, man, this will set us free. Listen to what this, this says. This, this is um, Luke 10, 25 to 28, and this is what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, did you hear what the question was? What must I do 
to inherit eternal life. And he said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, listen to what Jesus says here. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live eternally. What what does Jesus affirm here? That eternal life is found in loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, by all means, we need help to see this to fruition, but this is, you know, love God, love people. This covers the law and the prophets. This this is what God desires for us, is, is to love him with all that we are. My question this morning as we start this text, do you believe that if you if we loved God with everything that we are, heart, mind, strength, and soul, do you think that we would obey him? And do you think that that obedience would, would, would lack legalism or any expectation that we're going to gain something from this approach but, but stand in a posture that understanding that we're already loved? So let's dive into the text together. John 14, as we pick up the text from last week, we're in verse 15 to 24. And this is what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. See, Jesus here is preparing his followers for his physical absence and telling them that they will experience his presence more fully and intimately because of the spirit of truth, this, uh, this an, another helper, the Holy Spirit, who would take up residence in them. So, like I said before, Jesus is preparing them for his departure and, and, and also like his return. Because he says, we will make him our 
home. And that helps us to understand what he's saying here. So let's look at the first verse. In verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I love that he says, If you love me, you you will keep my commandments. Anybody ever struggle to, to keep the commandments? To keep the word of God? And, and so often we think that the antidote is, I need to try harder or I need to do better. But the truth is that what he's saying here is love motivates obedience. And maybe it's, Lord, help me to love you. Help me to, to know your love, that I might love you, which drives genuine and heartfelt obedience. We don't, what we're not hearing is we don't keep his commands to earn his love. That's not what he's saying at all. Almost to the contrary. We see in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have, but have eternal life. God, God loves. Right? He says that he sends the sun and the, and the rain on, on the righteous and the unrighteous. Like He loves his enemies. We see that clearly depicted in Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his very own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, still sinners, the NIV says, Christ died for us. And Jesus said that no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life. Right? So we know that God's love is not determined by ours. But do you believe that God wants us to love him? Right? And that that love, as David depicts in Psalm 18, helps us to know him as rock and fortress and God. Gets, there, there's an intimacy that comes, as we'll see here in a moment. But do you also believe that nothing can separate you from that love that is in Christ Jesus? Let me remind you in Romans 8, later on in the, in the chapter, in verse 35, it says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Think about those things. Later on, 37 says, No, in all these things, just just depicted, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. Who loved us. For I am sure, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nothing in all, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we, like that's, that's we need to hear that. Because, you know, the, the, world, the world is hearing a different narrative about God. He's judgmental. Some, some would say he hates me. And that's just not true. And we get to be the, 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 the heralds of God's, God's love, right? It's, it's, what, it's what drove Christ to, to the cross in order to demonstrate, to articulate the love of God. So the, so the 15 again says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we don't earn his love by keeping his commandments, what is Jesus saying here? Loving Jesus moves us to joyful obedience. A sincere love for Jesus moves us to joyful obedience. That's sincere and it's not religious and it's not rote. 
And it's, 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 it, it flows from a heart that is filled with gratitude and sincere love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the focus and objective is to love him. Is to love him. Genuine and joyful obedience demonstrates our love for Jesus. It is less of a focus on obedience and more on love. And that's good news. Right? That's so good. That's good news. All of the commandments are filled in fulfilled in loving God and loving others. So we love God. Please don't miss this. We love God when we love others. My commandment is this, to love one another. Jesus said, this is my not commandments. When we, we, we're going to be in chapter 15 shortly. And, and verses 12 to 17, he says, my command is this, love one another. Love one another. You love me, love them. Because you love me. Ultimately we, lo- ultimately, we love others because we love God. Ultimately, we love others because we love God. And so, not so that they or God would love us. You know why? Because you're loved. And when we are convinced, satisfied, believe, know, like when we, when we understand and receive the love of God, and we know we're loved, then love people, love people. And and that that's, you know, we have a couple of themes that we've had over the years, and, and one of them is living loved. Right? Living loved. And another one was live love. And I believe that, that when we are living loved, we do live love. And that's what we're told here, is that it's, it's not it's, it, it's not religion, right? It's this relationship that is based on a mutual love that that just drives worship and uh, and and a sincere. Now you see it modeled in Jesus's life, right? He was totally obedient to the Father in everything. I mean, in total detail. And why? Because he loves the Father, and he tells us that. In uh, the, the, the end of this particular passage we're looking at this morning, it, it says this to the contrast. In the first part of 24, it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my word. So love for Jesus manifests itself in obedience. It changes how we pray. And I love this. It changes how we pray. We don't, we don't pray, Lord, help me to, to do this or don't do this. Right? In obedience to the commands, help me to love you more. Help me to know you. And help me to love you. Right? Because that that's ultimately what sincerely moves us to obedience. Do you think the Lord will answer that prayer? Lord, help me to love you more. Do you think that that's something that God wants for you and I? He helps me to know you, right? Like, so like the Holy Spirit has this, and Jesus is about to say that because you love me and, and, and that drives, drives us to obedience, like I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And we're going to talk about like the benefits here in just a moment. But it's, it's not just loving him, right? Like it's knowing him. And to know him, please don't miss this, to know him is to love him. 
right? Like, if you know him, <laughs> loving him is not hard. Worship is not difficult, right? He says it's not burdensome, John 1, 5 says, or 1 John 5 says. So, like, it's it's sweet. like. But in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, this is what it says. And by this we know that we have come to know him, to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, here it is, the love of God is perfected. So like the, the beauty of, of like it's a further desire to know him and love him. And as that, as, as, as we walk through that and obedience becomes the, the result, then we are perfected in love. And it's this, it's this maturing, growing, uh, increasing measure experience of knowing him and loving him. And because what he's doing through in the midst of that is he's revealing himself to us, as we'll see in just a moment. He's revealing himself to us. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, the Lord Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so this kind of kind of confronts a couple of kind of uh, unfortunate perspectives. Like, well, Jesus paid for all my sin, past, present, and future, and God's grace abounds more than, than, than my sin. So, you know, I, should, I can just do whatever I want. I don't have to obey any, you know, like I'm, grace abounds. And Paul says, by no means, we died to sin. How can we live any longer? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. Right? And, and Jesus says that I came to, 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 to fulfill the law, but, but not to abolish it. And Romans helps us understand this beautiful balance that now that we, we obey the law out of love for him, not trying to achieve eternal life, not trying to gain something from him, but because we're, we're, we've already been given out of God's love demonstrated through Christ's sacrifice, and now our love for him drives us to joyful obedience. And so we don't get caught in that trap where God says, you know, I don't want your sacrifices because it was, it was religious. It, was, it, it didn't have, it didn't have the, the love that should drive. I mean, worship through song, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. Like, like love should be why we obey and it will like i love that he says in verse 15 i love that he says if you love me you will keep my commandments you will right if you if you love me that's 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 what's going to ensure and so when we struggle with with obedience in certain areas like lord help me to know you and love you because i I want it to be the very the very passion of my life as Jesus models, we ought, to, we ought to walk as he walked. So, and for those who know and love him, Jesus says this in verse 16. And I will ask the Father. Do, do you think that if Jesus asked the Father for anything that he might get it? Do you think that when Jesus asked the Father that he asks in accordance to his will? Do you think that they're on the same page? 
right? So like, so I, one of the things I love about this particular text right here and what he's saying here is, is it really teaches us how to pray, right? If we pray in accordance to the Father's will, we should pray knowing that because he's made distinct promises to us that it's going like, well, we can put faith in that, but not faith in what we're asking. Yes, faith in him because he's faithful to his word and his promises. And, and listen to how Jesus is saying that. I will ask the Father. Now, to those who love me and you will obey my commandments, I will ask the Father and he will give you, will give you another helper. Well, who was the first helper? I mean, because obviously the, the, the another helper gets on. We, we, we know who that is. That's the Holy Spirit. Who, who's the first helper? He was, Right? So he says, now that's so comforting to these disciples because they're going, you're leaving us? How are we going to follow you? How are we going to know where to go? I mean, there was a tangible presence. And, and now, and this is such good word for us because it's how we're meant to follow Jesus in the most significant way because now we have this internal presence of, of it, this is all Trinitarian language. Like God is going to make us his home, tabernacle us, we're going to be the temple of God so that he can reveal himself to the world. We'll get to that so sweet. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. See, I, let's go back to the garden for just a moment. Remember, it's like, it's not good for, be, for, for man to be, be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable, right? Like God is always helping us out, man. He's always giving us what we need in order to obey him. That's the purpose, Right, in order to do what to love him. Like if if we can even take it back a step, like he's helping us. Please don't miss this. He's helping us to love him. And he's helping us to know how much he loves us. And when when it becomes like it's not religion. When it when it's that relationship of knowing his love, right, and loving him, like we start to sound a lot like David in the Psalms. And we start, we start, I mean, obedience isn't burdensome. It's, he says, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. Why? Because of the yoke of the Pharisees, the, the yoke of the law. Like, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke, teaching, my yoke is easy and my burden is. Like, and doesn't it go back to like, 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 how do we inherit eternal life? What must I do? Love God. Love God with all that you are. Right? Because that's, that's the sum of the law and prophets. That's, that's, that's the catalyst of those coming to fruition in your life. That's what drives all of that. But I love that he says, I'll send you another helper, right, to be with you how long? Now, tell me that that, that, that that had to be comforting in the moment. Jesus is talking about his departure, and then he's talking about the arrival of his Christ spirit, which is his presence himself, as he describes later, right? And, and he's looking to comfort them and tell them that he says, it's better that I go that he might come. Like, this is going to be better. They, that's a hard thing to take in in this moment, and they are desperate for comfort. Desperate for comfort. So, the Father answers all of Jesus' prayers. 
Like we see that here because of his confidence in his asking. And do you know that's why he says, ask anything in my name and it will be done for you? You know, the key words there are in my name. That means in his will, in his authority, in his word. Like when we line up, when we start praying according to God's will, we can have radical confidence that faith, that it's going to happen, right? But, but we can't be asking in my name. I mean, I, I don't think that has a lot of authority, you know, like, you know, God in Colin's name, you know, right? But in Jesus' name, that's his resume. That's his, his character. His, that's who he is. Like we're, and, and so that really should, like when we say that, we should, we should wonder, like, am I asking in accordance to his name? Because if I am, let me, let me, let me have great confidence in the Father to fulfill his word. We're told another helper besides Jesus that he's going to send his spirit. And how does he help us? He helps us fulfill God's purpose. He helps us fulfill the great commission, which, which is our purpose. You know, he, he gives us the power the power to realize this obedience that we lovingly desire to, to bring to fruition and, and conforms us to his image, like transforms us. He comforts, counsels, he convicts us, which is all a gift to us. He provides guidance, reminds us of who we are and whose we are. Like that's a beautiful thing. Like that's, that's not for you because that's not, that's not who you are. Right? And, and so he helps us live loved and live love. Right? That, this is what the Holy Spirit, so now he's helping us to love him so that we might obey him and so that the world might know and that we might grow. Isn't that beautiful? Like there's his heart. So verse 17 goes on to say, as he's describing this to the boys, he says, even the spirit of truth. The very author of truth, the one that inspired and, and, and uh, carried others along to, 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 to scribe the word of God is going to guide, teach, and remind you of everything that he said. Like, you know, later, earlier in the prophets, it says that no longer will you teach one another, but I will teach you. Right? That's, that's the promise. And this is the fruition of that. The Holy Spirit is, is truly our teacher, our counselor. And so can I, can I give you, the, can we talk practical here? When you're studying the Bible, anybody ever like reading the Bible and you're going, what? Anybody had that moment? I mean, I know I'm sitting among scholars, but like, but like, you know, like you ever had that moment where you're reading and then you're like, whoa, I don't, you know, like let's, let's be careful not to run to commentary or secondhand information and go to who we believe someone else might know, you know, like we have the author inside, and we're told later in this passage that he will lead you into all truth and remind you of everything that I've said. Like, let's turn to the Holy Spirit and say, help me, guys, I, hundreds, thousands of times I have practiced this. And I mean, what he, what he gives us is so radically different than our own understanding. It's so rich. It's so counterculture and counter nature and counterintuitive that we, we need the radical assistance, the help of the Holy Spirit because he's the spirit of what? Truth, right? And so we're told even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now, I don't know about you, but the moment you read that, you go, well, why? 
Why can't the world receive it? He's talking to the, to the boys right here, but why can't the world receive it? And he explains it, and if we get this, this is huge. Like he says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Who's the him? Right? Neither sees him or knows him. Now, do you think the disciples standing there at that moment go, um, I, I haven't seen him, and I, I, don't, I don't know him either. Right now, listen to what he goes on to help us, to help him. He says, you know him. And they're going, oh, no. Right? I mean, like, just put yourself there. They're kind of going, I know him? Really? How do I know him? And this is what he tells them. Listen to this. He says, you know him for he dwells with you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking about the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence that has been with them for three over three years. Right? Because he's saying, I'm, I've been with you. He's been with you. Because just as he said just a little bit earlier, he says, I and the Father are one. Right? When, you, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he's saying, me and the Spirit, we're one. When you've seen me, isn't that what he said? When you've seen me, you've seen him. Let me tell you the implications of this for you, saint. For, for our, our gospel presentation, this is good news. That where does the Spirit of God dwell? In us, in you, in me, right? And, and if that's the case, especially as we do it together, right? What happens is others will get to know him. See, the world doesn't know him because they haven't seen him. But now, how does, how does that, when you look at all the demonic um, moments, and I know this is a bit of a, but like in the demonic moments, don't you see that all of the demons manifest their, whatever their intentions are through the individual? The Holy Spirit wants to manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants to show the world Jesus. And that's who dwells in us. He wants to, he wants to reveal himself, right, to the world. And we, so we can literally like, and this has happened. I know it's happened to some of you because I know you. Like you've been around others and they've seen Jesus in you. And what you have to do is you have to explain to them what Jesus is explaining here. That that's not me, that's him. The only good in me is the God in me. Like, that, you know, that they may see your, shine your light before men, that they may see your good deeds, that, that they may give God the glory. Like that's, that's what he's describing here. He's saying to them, he says, you know him. Well, how, how do we know him? For he dwells with you. How? In me. Right? Because then he goes on to say, and will. Now, two things about this will here is one is like, that's a future tense. But two, more importantly, is it's going to happen. Right? That's, that's the joy. Right? Like, you, you know him because you know me and you've experienced his presence through my life and the power that's been demonstrated in my life. And, and here's the good news. There's going to come a day in short order that you're going to experience that same spirit that you've come to know in me, in you. And Jesus will go on here and say that literally I'm not, as I said earlier, he's preparing them for, their, for his departure and for his arrival. Because it's the Spirit of Christ. He's not leaving them. He's going to multiply himself in and through them. Right? Like, so he goes on to say, You know him, for he 
He dwells with you in me and will be with you. Now they know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And and they're going to come to know it in a more, you know, 52 days from now. You know, they're going to come to know it in a in a very practical and real way. All of that, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, Peter is, is talking, you know, speaking in prophetic terms that, that are and 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 unpacking the gospel in ways that 3000 people are cut to the heart and they say what must we do repent and believe believe and repent and be baptized right so beautiful so verse 18 goes on to say i will not leave you as orphans now if he's using the word orphans like what does that denote family father right like i'm i'm not leaving you without family, without... in, Like he's saying, like, this is going to be a further experience of your adoption. Right? And we talked about this in Romans chapter 8. If you want to jot that down to read later, like, that's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit is is to secure, guarantee, to, to procure our adoption. Right? So he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I am going to seal you as mine, is what he's saying. I will come to you. Right? I will come to you in a temporary, in a, in a, in a momentary, like right after the resurrection, but in a permanent forever way through the, through the personhood. He referred, by the way, guys, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a him. Right? It's a person of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, this is Trinitarian language. It's beautiful. Verse 19. Yet a little while, as he continues this thought, a little while, and the world will see me no more. Jesus is saying, but you will see me after the resurrection. Because I live, you also will live. Guys, well, if you have a highlighter or pencil, what, you need to highlight that and bold that and meditate on that. Because he lives, you will live. It's another will, right? Because he lives, he says to the boys that love him, you will live. You will live forever, right? Now, just for a moment, why is that so huge in this moment? Well, Jesus has been saying what? I'm going to die. And they are disciples, so what might they be afraid of? Right? And what is he saying to them? Because I live, you also shall live. Right? So sweet. Really, and you know what? This is our testimony. Like this is our testimony to a world that is terrified of death and believing that God is, is going to punish them. And, and honestly, God is, that, that is a real concern. But Christ took our punishment. He is our rescue, our ransom, our savior. Right? He's, he's the one that's going to, to remove our sin debt, drink the cup of wrath to its full so that we can, can walk in peace with God, that we are justified, declared not guilty. And, and so this is our testimony to the world. Because he lives, I live too. That's our testimony. That's a, that's a brief description. I'm sure that would invite question. But, but just to unpack that for just a moment, Paul has some things to say in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at 20 to 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep in Christ, in faith, in, in God's promises. For as by a man came death, speaking of Adam, a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all shall be made what? Alive. But each in its own order. Uh, Christ, the first fruits, right? The first to be born uh, from, from the dead. Then at his coming, underline that, at his coming, those who belong to Christ will what? Will live will experience resurrection. As, Je- as Romans 6 says, if you've been united with him in, in death and burial, you shall be reunited with him also in his resurrection. Uh, think about the, the, the statement that uh, Jesus makes in John 11 to Martha and uh, asking, if you'd have been here, Lord, he would not have died. But, but you can ask anything and God will do it for you. And, and Jesus goes on to say this to her in verse 25 and 26. He says, she says, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection, and the life. Whoever believes in me. Guys, do we know that it's simple childlike faith that ushers us right into the kingdom? That invites the Holy Spirit to, to, to dwell in us? Like it is, it is not works, but it is just the incredible grace of God by faith, through faith, that, that brings us to salvation. If, you know, for all, for God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him. And, and what are we hearing here? But, but we're told that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Yet we're told in Romans 10, like if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You know, can I ask you this morning, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in him? Do you believe he is who he is and he did what he did and he and he and he, he's seated at the right hand of the Father and that he's he's glorified and he's coming back? Like let's let's all of that has great implications for the way we live and love now, right now. Though he die. This is what he says. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives until I return and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at Martha and says, do you believe this? And I love her confession there. Look at that in verse 27 when you get a chance. She she says, you are the Christ. I mean, like she is totally convinced. And he hadn't even raised Lazarus from the dead yet. So moving on in our text, in verse 20 it says, In that day, in that day, speaking of the resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit here. He says, me in you. The Spirit of Christ. Like, there's this, this like the, the, the Trinity is coming to make, like we're going to be tabernacled. Right? Like it's, this is fantastic. Do you remember when Jesus said to them, he went into the temple, you know, and, and, uh, and he comes out and they said, you know, what gives you the authority to do these things? And he says, what? He says, tear down this temple and in three days I will rebuild it. And they said, yeah, I mean, it's taken 46 years to build the temple. How can you say you're going to? And, and I love at the end of this in John 2, 22, this is what it says. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. That's what Jesus is saying here. That at, when the resurrection comes, you will know that I am in the Father and that you are in me, right? You will know and I in you. 
verse 21. Whoever Jesus goes on to say this from verse 15 to now 21, he's saying it again. So that, I mean, anytime he reinforces things, but then he's given us an additional promise. He says, whoever has my commandments. Do you have his commandments? And keeps them. Are you keeping them? He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Right? So as we love God through obedience, what happens is we experience a deeper intimacy and revelation. And when we see him face to face, who gets changed and transformed? We do from one degree of glory to another. Do you know at the end of the day, it says, when we see him, we will, we will know him as we are what? Fully known. Right? Like, so like it's, it's taking, like it's seeing him for who he is. Again, keeping his commandments demonstrates our love for him. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. Those who love Jesus will be loved by the Father and the Son, Jesus says. Not those who obey will be loved. That's not what he says. God loves obedience. Do you believe that? Right? It demonstrates our trust in him, our love for him. But more importantly, our love for him is demonstrated through obedience. Jesus will show himself to those who love him. Let me give you a very practical application. So in in Luke chapter 5, Peter and the boys went out fishing. James, John, Peter, and Andrew went out fishing all night, all night. Now, this is their livelihood. So there's a little bit of an emotional content here. And and they caught nothing, absolutely zero, nothing. And so they're, they're, they're coming in. Jesus arguably is teaching uh, the parable of the seer and the sowed to a massive crowd on the beach. They roll in on this scene and, uh, and, and uh, they're, they're actually mending their nets as Jesus is, is, is doing this teaching. But he asked Peter, he says, and I believe this is to keep Peter around to hear what he needs to hear, right? And then do what he's going to call him to do. And uh, he asked Peter for his boat to use it as a pulpit. He pushes the boat out. He, he, he teaches from his boat. And then can you imagine in front of the whole crowd, he says to Peter, hey, Peter, hey, Peter, Peter yeah, um, go out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Peter's like, Phew. I mean, that's what I get when he, in his response because he's like, he says this, this is what he says, he says, Master. So he's had some experience with him, arguably mother-in-law, but like he's, he's, he says, Master, we fished all night and caught nothing, right? So he's basically saying, I don't want to do this, right? But then he says this, but because you said so, Lord. Oh, no, he says, but because you said so, I will go. And in the very next verse, and I think it's 17, it says, when they had done so. Now that's obedience. Motivated out of love, out of adoration, right? It says, when they had done so, both boats were filled to the point of sinking. Sinking. Now, when you read the text initially, you think, oh, Jesus is on the shore going, see, isn't that awesome? And he's not. Because it says Peter then kneels down in the midst of a boat filled with fish and he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Now, 
let me tell you a couple of nuances that that are just that that speak to this text. First of all, he calls him master, master, master. If you look at the text, he's referred to as 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 Simon, Simon, Simon. And then the moment that he obeys and experiences this this miraculous moment that he is not even he's he's not he's not happy he's not excited about all the fish he is he is completely mesmerized humbled he's like go away from me and he doesn't call him master he calls him lord and the text doesn't refer to him as simon anymore it says simon peter because he he now sees jesus it's exactly what jesus said here he said and he who loves me Right? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and show myself, manifest, reveal myself to him. Jesus revealed himself to, 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 to now Simon Peter, and he gets on his knees in this boat and says, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And he says, No longer will you catch fish, you will catch men. Like that's when he's he's ready. And so I just think that's so, you know, that's so telling that that we get a further manifestation of God's presence through the help of the Holy Spirit, like He reveals Himself to us when, through love, we 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 obey. We obey. Again, keeping His commandments demonstrates our love for Him, and if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. Jesus will show himself to us. That's so beautiful. So verse 22 goes on to say, Judas, not Iscariot, because obviously he left the room uh, in the upper room just briefly uh, to go and do quickly what he said he was going to do or called to do. Um, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now, the reason is, is that's our mission. That's our mission, to manifest Jesus to the world. Jesus is going to reveal himself to us so that we can reveal him to others. Does that make sense? Right? That's, that's, the, that's the game plan. That's the, that's the mission. Right? As we love him through obedience, he continually reveals himself to us and we are transformed. Right? And that transformation depicts his presence, shows others the Holy Spirit, and they're going... Like, you're such, you know, they're seeing God. They're seeing the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and, and the reason is, is that we're o- obeying out of love. Out of love. Sincere love for Christ. Right? First John 3, 2 says this. Beloved, we are children. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Now, that what is a who. Okay? But we know that when he appears we shall be like him why because we shall see him as he is see that's what the holy spirit is doing through through love driven to obedience is he's he's showing us the father he's showing us the son he's revealing his presence and we are transformed by it and that transformation causes us to shine as john's reminding us about and then that shine is drawing people in like a burning bush Curious about why we're not consumed. And it's beautiful. This text ends with verses 23 to 24 for us today. And it says this. Jesus answered him. Right? Remember the question. Right? How, you, you're not going to reveal yourself to the world and just to us? Jesus answered him. If anyone loves me, 
Okay, this is the third time in 10 verses he's saying this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we, isn't that sweet? We will come to him and make our home with him. Can I just pause for a moment? I think so often we think of the Holy Spirit. Like we just got one part of the triune God and we will come and make our home. Like the Father, Son, and Spirit are, are dwelling because the Spirit is indwelt in us. Like, like they, they give them their full self to us so that, we, so that we can give the fullness of God to the world. Like I, I love that he says that, that there, this is like the, the part of the understanding that we have that, that the oneness of God, like, like what he hoped for marriage, is, is that we would is that we would cleave to him as he'll pray in John 17, O Lord, that they may be one as we are one. But we see the oneness of God taking up residence in us. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. You know, here Jesus adds that God will make his home in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. Like wherever God is, that's where the kingdom is. That's where heaven is. The kingdom of God is on earth in us. Like that's that's an incredible thing. And then if you look at verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Obedience comes from love and trust. A person who does not love Jesus will not obey him and so like God loves us and our love for God is what is what ideally drives the obedience that leads to a a spirit indwelt experience that causes a a further manifestation of his presence uh, and then just a a joyful like just incredible, God's going to like make his home with us and has. Like he, he's talking to them about future experience. Many of us are have experienced this and know like the, the indwelling work of, of God. But, but I think this passage helps us understand a couple of things that love drives obedience. If the worship team would come, like as we close out our time together, like I, God wants us to love him through obedience. And because we love him, we obey. And God's desire is so that, and God's, Jesus' heart is that he wants to give himself fully to us, completely, that we might follow, be his disciples, that he might finish what he started in us, and he surely will. And so pray with me as we, uh, as we take this in. Father, help us to understand your word, to understand and believe and know that, that you have loved us to the full extent, as Jesus said, and, uh, and demonstrated that love in sacrificial ways so that you could model for us what love looks like so that we would know that love is patient and kind and not self-seeking and not easily angered and doesn't keep record of wrong and always trusts. Help us to love you and love others knowing that, that your promises are wrapped up and your spirit is here to help us Help us see that all to fruition. Oh, Lord, help us. We thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Love him as he loves you. God bless you. Have a great week so that we would know that love is patient and kind and not self-seeking and not easily angered and doesn't keep record of wrong and always trusts. Help us to love you and love others knowing that that your promises are wrapped up and your spirit is here to help us. Help us see that all to fruition. Oh, Lord, help us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love him as he loves you. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.